Welcome to the Ask a Flame Artist podcast presented by Logic TV. I'm your host, Randy McEntee, and today I'm joined by flame artist MB Amy. MB, what's going on? Good morning, Randy. As always, great to have you at the podcast. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Autodesk flame and career-related questions by providing you access to experience and expertise from the community. You can submit questions on the forums at forum.logic.tv. Questions are anonymous, so it's a great chance to ask something you've always wanted to know, but perhaps is too tender to share publicly. Before we dive in, if you like what we're up to, please give us a five-star rating and check out all of our content at logic.tv. If you really dig what we're up to, support us on Patreon. We are working flame artists just like you, and joining us means bigger and better things for all of us. We've got three levels of membership with swag, discount codes, and the very popular patrons-only Q&A sessions, and more. Coming soon is the highly requested 3.2 anamorphic tier, as well as dun-dun-dun, HK. Oh no. <laughs> All the Ks, right? It'll stop eventually. Stop putting it off. You know you want to. You know you should. Go to patreon.com slash logic TV and join us today. All right, MB. Another week, another round of questions. First of all, how was your week last week? Or this week, whatever week it is for you. I'm completely lost in time because I have been incredibly busy. I guess I can't complain, but I will anyway. <laughs> it's nuts out there. I mean, it's good, lots of work, but uh, keeping me busy. So how have you been? Nuttier than a squirrel's cheeks in October. Oh, there you go. That's, that's a good visual I can't get out of my head. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right, let's dive in. We've got some good questions. You ready to roll? Ready. All right. So first question, Vertical Reels Rule from Sydney says, I struggle with bidding. Any tips? Well, first of all, I'm an original Vertical Reels person, so oh. I like that already. <laughs> I finally have converted, but I stuck with it as long as I could. Um, struggling with bidding. I wonder on what level. Tips for bidding. Mm -hmm. Good one. Um, I struggle with that a little bit too, because I it, every artist goes at different paces and mm. never quite sure, did I underbid it? Did I overbid it? You know, kind of a thing. Sure. Um, I try to, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what part of bidding they're struggling with. What do you think, Randy? Well, bidding is a, bidding is a dark art. It's a, it's a, but it's important, right? Because it, it basically makes you, basically draws a line in the sand saying, okay, I'm going to keep this promise. And if I don't, it's going to get ugly, you know, because no one likes to, no one likes to miss, right? No one likes to either get screwed on a job or, 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 you know, anyone, right? Everyone's job is to get more for less, right? Both sides of that, of that transaction. So I, I have a really simple approach when it comes to bidding, no matter what, the kind of work it is, I make up categories of shots. And that's easy shots, medium shots, and difficult shots. And a difficult shot might not be difficult, but it might be difficult relative to the easy. So if you're doing screen comps, let's say you've got 10 screen comps, and you're expecting a third of them to be easy, third of them to be medium, third of them to be hard. And the hard might be a finger or interaction or you know, like a touch screen or something. So then you just, you know, what's the average one of those take? Okay, takes a little bit of roto, you know, tracking, restore, restoration, edge work. You know, it's probably a day a shot. And then the easy ones could be like an hour a shot. 
So I just basically create a spreadsheet and usually share that with my producer and say, okay, easy shots, one hour, hard shots, 10 hours, medium shots, five. And at least you give them some a kind of formula and it usually kind of works out. What do you do this one? I run into this all the time because I do also organize by ease to difficulty. Mm. And I tend to like to attack the difficult shots first just to know where I'm at, mm -hmm. you know? But inevitably, Murphy's Law, the one I thought that was going to be very easy turns out to be incredibly hard. And one that I thought might be very difficult, I breeze through. So I think your average, I, I kind of do that too. Mm -hmm. I average because you will run into that. I do at least every time. Sure. It's, it's something that looks so simple. It's like, oh my God. The other thing I, I had a hard time with in the beginning was... I didn't give enough credit or time to revisions mm. or notes. Also just the input, output, the logistical part of a shot too. Sure. So um, I definitely put a little pad in for that. And I will tend to give a range. Mm -hmm. You give an average like this shot would be this. Sometimes they do want me to break it down by shot. In fact, I just did that with a show last week. Mm. So I went through each shot. I kind of looked at them and I said a range of two to four hours, mm -hmm. six to eight hours, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of so that at least there's some pad. Now, this is also with producers that I know that I've worked with. Mm. So they also know to pad it a little bit. But sure. it is dark art. It really is. And just experience yeah. time. Yeah, I um, also think it's, it's, it's good to keep a database of things you've bid and how they've ended up. Um, if, you, if, if there's no mechanism to reconcile or to understand you know, where you were in relation to your bid, I think you're leaving a lot on the table. Um, Plus, there's a lot of stuff, you know, doing the work is not the same as delivering the work. Like, you can do a work, but what happens, you know, client revisions, what happens about receiving assets, the creative process, the approval process, the delivery process, are your clients international, are they local, are the agencies local, do you know them? There's so much stuff, like, you know, who's the ECD on the project, you know? Most of the ECDs I work with are, you know, very particular for a very good reason. That's their job. So once you start to understand, you know, either, either brands or agencies or creatives and start to develop an internal, you know, or written down database, that all matters, you know, depending on who your client is, that all really matters. Yeah, I have one where I know that I'm going to, you know, I just did a shot, gave some direction to, but it was a creative shot, um, interactive lighting on the face. Mm -hmm. What are they really looking for? Well, it turned out they were looking for, it, even though naturally you wouldn't see anything from mm -hmm. this iphone um they wanted to really see a glow but then it was well what about you know maybe it does uh, atmospheric you know mm -hmm. or volumetric mm -hmm. so i had to go through a test of that then i had to go so this one shot that technically didn't take me long the creative part did right now i know with this particular client what to pad into those kinds of bits but yes i keep it i keep records of those things so that i know that's great and then other things that might pop up you know, bidding is, is, is kind of committing to a to-do to list. And you need to kind of know, you know, actually a lot. Like, are there shooting restrictions? Are there shooting requirements? What's the camera? What's the footage? Is it phantom? Is it high speed? Is it anamorphic? Is it spherical? All those things kind of matter. I mean, they used to matter more. Sometimes they now matter less versus spherical versus anamorphic, something like that. But knowing all that stuff, knowing the duration, knowing the deliverables, that's all part of all of this. And if you aren't 
If you don't know that you don't know to ask, then that's a dangerous spot. And if you're at least skeptical, you can trust, but verify those, all those components because, you know, all those things do in fact matter and can take a, a job from being profitable to not very quickly. Well, I also um, am very clear. Transparency is very big. So I'll say, based on what I'm given, words like that, and if anything changes, this bid is not accurate. You know, things that really boil it, put in there, you know, based on so many notes sometimes, you know, you get two round revisions, that, those kinds of things as well. Because they'll go, well, you bid this, but then the scope of the shot or the work or the project has changed as you get into it. And you can't stick with that same number. Right. It, it's accurate or reflective. So I will always put qualifiers in there just to help. Yeah, and the bids also include a schedule or a story or a script or a version of a script or assumptions. Yeah. Like, we assume all practical lighting and camera. We assume no more mm -hmm. than 10 shots. We, whatever it is, you, I think, you know, including those things in writing and doing homework, you know, can protect, potentially protect you and yours and the ones you care about. Okay, next question. What do I need to do in order to get promoted, says, asks Flame Girl. Junior Flame Girl, there you go, from Brooklyn. Um, well, I think you need, to, you need to be, how do I want to say this? Um, to get promoted, mm -hmm. you would like to show that you know what you're doing, you have confidence in what you're doing, you're good at your job, you're attentive, um, you add to the job, you don't just do the thing, you take over, you have some leadership skills. Um, but how do you know that you need that stuff or not? Well, think about who would you, would you promote? Would you promote somebody that you think is not paying attention? Would you promote somebody that, you know, mm -hmm. what, are, what are your criteria for someone else and put that on you? You go, oh, well, I would be looking for mm -hmm. somebody you work with. I would be looking for someone that I could, put my trust in and I don't have to pay attention to certain things and they can take over. Mm -hmm. um, wow, that pr I would be looking for someone that's really on top of their job or eager to be there or, you know, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. So when you really don't know, think about what you would be looking for. Mm -hmm. And ask. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't hurt to go to the person that might promote you and say, hey, listen, I'm really loving this. I really want to move up. What do you think I need in order to, you know, go to the next step? Mm -hmm. Ask them. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I think our our industry has has historically been very casual when it comes to things like this, and you know, if 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 your company doesn't have a published or easily accessible or communicable and relative recent career paths documentation, and you're over like 10 or 15 employees, like, I think that's a problem. I think that needs, that, that needs to be addressed. And the career paths could be, it's kind of, it's kind of a two-parter. On one hand, MB, you just mentioned a lot of soft skills. You mentioned things that you look for with behavior, right? Like attention, attentiveness, or, you know, whatever you want to, you know, all those things. But there's also a lot of tasks that you need to have mastered, right? So if you are, if you're a, if, okay, junior flame girl from Brooklyn, if you're out there and you can do 100% of the easy shots, awesome. Like that's where you should be. If you can do 
zero of the medium or zero of the hard shots, that could be keeping you back. And when you're trying to think about what those tasks are, you know, break them down. Um, if you are, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a junior artist and, and you're, you're not quite sure, just think about all the things you do on a daily basis and, and write them down, make a spreadsheet of tracking tasks, right? Well, you lead me to something I was going to say afterwards mm. is that in, cause you're right, there's different businesses and our business, sometimes the being promoted is, is kind of a silent thing yeah. and it's based on the work you take on. So for back in the day when I had assistants, the way that they became more leads was they asked for a tougher shot. They could accomplish a tougher shot. Mm -hmm. They would take on, you know, so just by doing the work, mm -hmm. it fell into just naturally the next level of flame artist. Mm -hmm. So juniors, well, you know, I gave him this hard shot last time. Let me give him this one. Then he took on another one. Then before you know it, I'm counting on him. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know it, but I've promoted him in my mind or her right. in my mind. Um, so you're absolutely right in our business, which is a little different. Um, the promotion comes from the skill set as well. Sure. And yes, soft, soft skills do matter because I've, I've worked with juniors that they may be great, but if they're very difficult to work with, mm. I'm not going to give them a shot. You know, I just right. don't want to go through it, right. you know, or if their ego takes over, well, I, I'm better than this. I can do it kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, not, not my team player, but that's how I like to work. Sure. Others might go, I don't really give a shit and give them the shot anyway. But I do think you're right. It's the skill sets. Mm -hmm. And but not only you learning them, but also being willing to say, hey, can I try that out? Mm -hmm. Hey, can I take that one on? You know, the next level of, of difficulty mm -hmm. and prove yourself. Sure. And yourself and prove yourself. Sure. But you make a really good point with that. Yeah, I, th I think I, I, I used to have one. Maybe I'll, I'll dig it up. There's... um. Let's just use tracking as an example, because if you're a junior artist, you know, you should, you should know or you should understand that there are many types of tracking. For example, one point, two point, planar, camera, object, and then let's call it an other category of like deformations, like motion vectory, kind of warpy stuff, right? So make yourself a spreadsheet. Write down tracking. Write down all the different kinds of tracking and make sure that you are not a beginner. Make sure that you are an intermediate or an expert in that field. And then just make a ton of those things. And for example, if you're a junior artist, you don't need to know color management. That's somebody else's job. That's your lead's job or VFX soup's job. So eventually you need to master that so you can make good decisions. But same thing with blend modes. Like as a junior artist, you should know blend modes. So write down all the blend modes. Are you, do you understand when you should use which ones and what help you cheat things? So I think that's a great way to start. Have a, a, a task list of things that you ought to master to move yourself forward in your role. And if you don't know what those are, that's a problem. And the soft skills, if you don't know what makes yourself uh, promotable, then ask and get definitions and specifics from your manager. And if your manager can't give that to you, that, that's a problem. I think that's, that needs to be addressed as well. I also think, um, let's take tracking, for example. So yes, there's all the different kinds of tracking. And what do we do? We solve problems all day. So something might look great as a planar track. What if it doesn't work? How else can you get that? Now there's multiple ways to planar track because there's Mocha and Flame and Perspective Grid versus GMAS versus, you know, they all sometimes do different things. So there's also the um, 
never one way to do anything kind of road. So you've got to be good, not only at tracking, but also knowing, hey, try this, try that, try the, you know, the multiple ways to do it. Oh, totally. I think that's, that's one of the big things that makes a, a junior different from an artist and an artist different from a lead. Um, you know, your step one is just, can you do this? And step two is, can you not waste time doing the things wrong? Or, you know, can you, can you not have false starts? Can you, can you start for the first time you do something? Is that the way forward? Um, not having to start over for lack of a better way to describe it. Um, and then finally, can you make it look great? And those are three different levels and three different evolutions of, of being an artist. So yeah, a lot to unpack that there's, there's, there's a lot of things and that's, um, that's something that as, as a previous manager of a lot of people and then be as you've been leading teams, that's something you've dealt with a lot. Oh, very much. I, it, it's actually one of my favorite things is to, um, work with young artists and get them up the ladder or move them up the chain. Sure. I just find it fun. I love seeing people grow. Our next question is going to be from lead flame girl. Exactly. Exactly. That's what, That's what we're looking for. Our next question. Quad four from Minneapolis wants to know what the heck is four, 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 four and what makes it better than four, two, two. I'm giving this one to you, Randy. You're more technical than I am. Jargon wise. Oh man. Do we have an hour to talk about chroma subsampling? <laughs> um, so, okay. So quad four is, is, is short for ProRes 4444, or sometimes we say 444. Um, uh, okay, so with digital files, and I'm going to keep this very short. With digital files, there are two main things you have, two main options when you are describing pixels or images or anything as a computer. And that is, how many choices can I make? And how often can I make that choice? So if you are a sensor on a camera and you want to understand how much light is hitting that sensor, then you can choose or you have built into yourself, how many choices can I make about the light coming in? If you're binary or one bit, you can be the on or off. No, there's no light on the sensor or there is light. Okay, that's zero or one. But if you have, if you need more than just on or off, like a light switch is on or off, right? MB, that makes sense. That's binary. But obviously our world isn't on or off. It's in the middle. And that's where the good stuff is. So all of those choices is the bit depth. Or, you know, common is 10-bit. So we make 2 to the 10th or 1,024 choices in light. So it can be either 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way up to 1,023. But then that's only one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is how often or how how with which with what pixels are we actually going to care about? And 422 doesn't sample every blue and red for every pixel, but it samples every pixel for green. So the four in the 422 means every pixel, I'm going to fully care about the green. And then for and then I'm only going to take and understand how much light is hitting every other green, I'm sorry, every other red pixel and every other blue pixel. That's 422. So it's a way to just cut down on data because data is a problem with storage. Quad 4 or 44444 is 
I'm going to choose and care about the color of every green pixel, of every red pixel, and every blue pixel. And I'm going to throw an alpha channel into boot. So that's what makes quad four quad four. And that's what makes it different than four two two. Is it better? It depends, but it is different. You're so good at that. I practiced. Nice. Next question. NB, you want to take this one on from Render Domer? Sure. Let me see here. I struggle. Oh, okay. Render Domer wannabe USA. I struggle with Zoom fatigue. I hear you. It's never ending and I feel so exhausted at the end of a remote client session. How can I feel less wiped out afterwards? Hmm. That's a good one because I think we all struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I struggled with it yesterday. What I do is, believe it or not, so luckily I live in LA, so the weather's usually nice. My house is usually wide open mm -hmm. on all sides, and I go out one side, I walk a whole circle and come back in. So kind of do a, a perimeter or a lap. Mm -hmm. So I get up out of the seat, I make sure it's outside. Sometimes I might even walk around the block, but um, sometimes you don't have time for that, so that's why at least... If I just walk around the house, that's like a bathroom break. <laughs> <laughs> it gets my eyes off the screen. It gets my butt out of the seat. Sure. It gets my environment different and it helps a little bit. And also breath work. I'm a, I'm a fan of a deep breath every once in a while. But um, I usually don't have a lot of time between my Zoom calls or my client sessions. Mm. So that's what I do for the immediate. Um, then if you do have more time in between, you know, any kind of um, exercise is good, a stretch is good, you know, mm. self-care is good if you, if you can do it. And there are stretches and things you can do even in your seat. But breathing you can do anywhere, mm -hmm. and it's well known to take stress, you know, if you can do some breath work. Okay. So, what do you do, Randy? Well, I, How do you I see this. I see this a little differently. I, I see this as a, as a, as a problem of communication less than a res I, I see this as the, the source is the zoom fatigue is the, ugh, the source is the zoom fatigue, not the result. Um, and I was thinking about this the other day cause I, I, I wouldn't, I, I met a friend, uh, we're recording this in June of 2021 and I was just meeting a friend for a beer for the first time in <laughs> forever. Oh, yeah. Right. And usually after a conversation like that, you're energized, you know, you feel re restored. You feel like if you had an emotional bucket, it would be full, right? Like, oh, that was great. I had so much good time, you know, hugs afterwards, whatever. Yes, I hugged my, my, my bro friend. But after Zoom, it's different. The conversations are taxing. They're difficult. And so I really started thinking about this. And when I saw the question pop up, I was really excited because this is something that I've worked on a lot lately. Um, Zoom fatigue is a result of people's inability to hear you well. Right? Like, it's work. When you are on the receiving end on a Zoom, you are experiencing the aggregate of a lot of shitty audio. And it's, it's hard work, right? Like if someone was whispering or you're at a movie theater and speaking a foreign language, you know, and you have to watch the subtitles, that's a lot of input going on. That's hard. And so for me, that's a big deal. 
and as as people in our process, uh, in our step of the process, you know, we're we're problem solvers, like you mentioned, and have and 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 participating in the the, the delivery of good audio is really important. So I see that as that being a problem. And so if you can, if you can deliver a good audio and, and, and understand that, then you will not be contributing to Zoom fatigue in the first place. And I think that is a very overlooked part of what we're doing remotely as flame artists. Huh. I, I never thought of it that way, but I had a session yesterday where one of the participants, her audio, and she was the art director, so I had to hear what she had to say. Sure. Very difficult to hear. Yeah. Her audio was really bad and it was straining. And I, I never even considered it. I was just, you know, in my mind, oh, this is all part of Zoom. And sure. then I try and take care of myself afterwards. Sure. So that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think most people, they either experience it and don't realize it or they, or, or they understand that it's hard. But they, we haven't evolved yet, right? Like how many millions of years have people been in tune with face-to-face communication, right? Like millions of years. I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. Thousands of years. Um, but we've been doing the remote thing for what, 18, 15, 18 months? And so we don't know and we can't verbalize what we're feeling. We're not, we haven't evolved yet, right? Like we're, we're only now just figuring out how to eat refined foods. And now all of a sudden we have to worry about Zoom calls. So people will just either turn you off, not take you seriously, or be exhausted and not know why and just think, oh, that was hard. So anyway, it's a little controversial perhaps, but I think that's one of the biggest problems of our, of our sessions is we haven't realized the collective importance of delivering good audio. All right, next question. Graphics guru, Berlin. This one's going to be a good one for you, Mr. Anti-Aliasing. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Whenever clients send me graphics, I have a hard time making them look good. The edges look crunchy and nasty. There must be something I'm missing, right? Come on, Randy, talk about those settings. Yeah, Kirk Baldwin would 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 love this right now because he he knows I'm passionate about this and he always gives me crap about it. I have your little notes on my you know, desktop just to remember yeah, all the different that, that's that's one of many of my of my unique soapboxes. Um, this soapbox is the is the filtering soapbox, and I think it's such a common thing. I see this so often. Uh, I just happen to be in that weird spot where I pick up a lot of people's work. And the number one thing you shouldn't do is crank up anti-aliasing. So the first step when you receive a graphic, if there's a mat and a fill, you should look at the mat and the fill. Zoom in on the edges of where it turns from fully opaque to fully transparent, that little soft edgy thing, and compare your front or your fill and your mat or your alpha. So compare those two. And if you can kind of like eyeball, zoom in like a bunch of percent, like 500%. If you can eyeball that the fill and the mat go from fully there to fully not there at the same distance, then your mat, then your stuff is pre-multiplied. And that's great. That's step one. If it's not and it looks funky, then you treat it as unpremultiplied, or as Andy Dill would say, divided. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. <laughs> right? Like it is what it is. It's not unpremultiplied. It's like, you know, it's not unsubtracted, it's added. Um, and so look at that. And if it's not one of those two, 
then your asset is wrong. Or if your asset goes from fully there to fully not there on the edges differently on the mat and the fill, that's the, that's the problem too. So just be aware of that. And then if you're going to be changing scales of things, you really need to filter it responsibly because filtering is the, is, is the mother and father, is the parent of all good graphics work, right? So if you get something big like an EPS, you make it small, awesome. You are interpolating new pixels and you need to filter that in action appropriately. EWA plus linear as a surface filtering algorithm or type is your friend for most of that stuff. And if you're rotating it heavily, then anisotropic is a great way to solve that. If you haven't much experience with filtering, it's the number one thing that people forget. It's hard. It's not very well documented. And it's the names are weird. So grab a grid, make yourself a grid, a checkerboard, something, and spend 10 minutes playing around with scaling surfaces, rotating surfaces, and see which ones work well for you. But 99% of the time, EWA plus linear is great for scaling and translating and tracking and stabilizing and moving stuff, and anisotropic for rotating. And Randy has a great video on the Logic Forum. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's a really good one. Yeah, because if you anti-alias, you take the entire scene and you render that entire scene, background and all, many times over and over again, blurring every pixel with its nearestly randomly oriented selected pixel, and you're softening the whole darn thing, and that's tragic. So do not do that. Okay, soap, soapbox put back for that. <laughs> I love your soapboxes. Oh, getting, too, getting too frequently. All right, here's one for you, MB. So uh, here's a question for you. Anonymous writes in, I'm working with a producer who's giving me creative direction. How do I handle them? Ah, this one hits home for me. Yep. <laughs> um, well, very gently. <laughs> very kindly. Oh, <laughs> They're a human too, MB. They're a person too with eyeballs. Well, if you're a freelancer, um, they're also a source of work for you. So yeah, you right. Definitely don't want to piss them off. Right. And uh, yeah, so I I actually run into this a lot. And and for me, having done this for how long I've done this, and actually been an owner even and creative director and I get a junior producer and they're making creative notes, it hits you a little bit in your ego. You're like, oh, okay. Or when they say, here's the note for the client, so why don't you try and they actually tell you how to do it? Mm. And you're going, uh, yeah, no, no, no. But I take a deep breath and I understand, I do try and step out first and foremost and go, they have the best intentions or they're coming from whatever place they're coming from. This isn't, this isn't me, you know, I try not to take it personally. Mm -hmm. And usually I handle it very diplomatically. And to be totally honest, sometimes a lot of times it's a good bit, you know, it's nice hearing something that maybe you hadn't thought about. Yeah, it doesn't mean they're um, wrong. Doesn't mean they're wrong. And so what I'll do is I'll either say, if they're totally wrong, I still will say, wow, okay, thanks. That's a great input. Let me take that, you know, let me, let me go play with that, mm -hmm. you know, and see what I come up with. So I will always acknowledge it. And I will always say that I will try it, hmm. but I will say, let me play. I have some ideas of my own, you know, hmm. or, hey, got your note. That's great. Thanks. You know, keep it simple. Uh -huh. But I really do try to not um, do what my gut sometimes says, which is 
Bye-bye. you know, seriously, <laughs> yeah, like really, you know, or uh, I had this even the other day where the producer, I was ready to present a client based on my years of experience, mm. knowing what the client said and what they wanted. And the producer's like, no, make it this way first before I present it. Mm. But I can't, you know, this is the producer that hires me. This is the one with the company. You know, it's not my company. And all I can do is go, okay, I'll address your note and do it. But um, a lot of times it, it's just, okay, great. Thanks for the input, mm. <laughs> you know? So have you, have you ever run into that? What do you do? Oh, all the time. Um, I, I, it's also different for, well, I expect, I, I think it is. Uh, I think it's different for commercials and different for film. Or yes. episodic, right? So structurally. Yes, very different. Right? Structurally, anything that isn't a commercial typically has a much more rigid division of labor, right? So if you're working in a film, it's much more of like uh, like a traditional French kitchen, right? Where you, <laughs> you've got your exec, <laughs> you've got your sous, you've got your garmanger, you've got your entremetier, you've got your, you've got your all different types of stations, Right. And commercials is a little bit more Iron Chef. Like, you know, there's going to be some stuff flying around. There's going to be some stuff, you know, that you're just totally winging it. And, you know, if, if, if your prep cook says, dude, why, the, why, why is the lettuce brown? Then, you know, you're going you're gonna to do something about it. Um, so I'm used to producers saying things. Uh, also, because I dish out a lot of production strategy. I think that's just something that I've done for the years. And I know that drives people crazy, but sorry. So. Typically, I don't mind it. And like you said, when someone says something, it's absolutely worth investigating. And it's like saying, okay, cool. So I also do the same thing you did. I was like, okay, cool. I hear you. Right? Like sometimes I'll legitimately say, I hear you, what you're saying. I hear that you think that the perspective on the matte painting is a little wrong. Let me look into that. And most of the time, you do, it causes you to do something causes you to second guess, look at something fresh. And typically, it usually involves something being a little bit better. Not always, but sometimes. So don't throw that away just because of your ego or your whatever, right? But maybe they are wrong. And if you are wrong, and if it's a, if it's a civilian or non-flame artist, <laughs> and, and they're giving you feedback, guess what? The client might say the same thing. So have a response. Hey, I looked into that. And the reason I don't think that's working is because we feel like the black should be a little, a little less so that it just feels like there's atmosphere in the scene or whatever it is, right? I'll give them some creative feedback as to why it does not work, mm -hmm. you know? Well, in reality, you wouldn't have a black be different than the, you know, whatever. Sure. Or the sure. whites aren't balanced or, you know, whatever would come into sure. it. But Or this screen on this phone wouldn't be pin sharp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. It's typically phone screens, right? Like, oh, why is it soft and blurry? I can't see it. Oh, I had that with some wine bottles. They shut everything out of focus. Well, we want all the labels focused. It's like, okay, that's going to look a little strange mm -hmm. and a completely focused plate, but we'll try, you know, so. Sure. Uh, but I do want a coffee table book of your analogies. <laughs> they work really well. I, I think our whole industry is, can be summed up and related to by restaurants. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're right. right. In a restaurant and in a kitchen. Yeah, you worked in a kitchen. Oh God, yeah. Of course you did. Day. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you didn't. Yeah. You you because 
because you're a flame artist. You're, you're basically a glorified cook. Oh, yeah. And doing all the orders coming in and out, making deadlines, yeah. um, making right, doing client services with the table. That's right. You are nothing more than a 21st century modern hibachi chef. Yeah. That's, I never thought of it that way until yeah. your coffee table book analogy came up. Yeah, like you're squirting sake in a client's mouth from over the hibachi <laughs> and like flipping the shrimp and doing the egg thing. Well, this is, starts as, you know, filling the coffee pots and doing whatever. And then the line chef is the one doing the orders, telling everybody what to do, keeping yeah. it all going together. And there's your lead. Yeah. And the producers are taking orders. They're working with the customers. They're dealing with all that stuff. You've got a food runner in there Very in the middle. Big. Yeah, producers are your manager saying, seat everybody, and you're going, well, I'm the hostess, and there's no tables available. And they're like, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> exactly. That's one of my favorite things to do when, when I'm when talking to people is I ask if, if they've ever worked in a restaurant and in what capacity. Like, oh, I, 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 always, I, was, I, was a, I was a server, but I always hung out with the cooks. You know, yeah. that's cool. Like, I'd love to hear that. No, I, I, I liked butchering fish. Okay. Yeah. No, I I never worked in restaurants, but I grew veg. I was a farmer or whatever. Like I love to like. Okay, that's a that's a CG person right there. So well, the funny thing for me was so I worked in the kitchen in the earlier days. Mm-hmm. And if anybody that knows me, I'm five foot tall, so I'm I'm not on your tall side. <laughs> and all of the coffee was always on a shelf, and and I remember I used to have to climb up just to make coffee, and I hate coffee. So most people love the smell of coffee. I don't, oh. and I'm merged in it. And then the other one was whipped cream. They made homemade whipped cream in these big bats that mm-hmm. were taller than I was. So I'd have to stand. It was very physical for me. Yeah. Not only normally, but even more so, it was acrobatic almost. Yeah. My, my abysmal posture to this day is for me standing over a, over a cutting board for 10 years. All right, next question. Here's another one. Anonymous from Seattle says, I'm not good at standing up for myself. How do I set boundaries? Ooh, I help people with this all the time. How so? What? How so? Oh, um, well, I, I, like I said, I like to work with young people growing through um, basically standing up for themselves and dealing with workplaces, dealing with other people. Mm. And I run into a lot of... Um, producers actually that are stuck in the middle. They have a boss above them or the client, and then they have to manage artists and they don't mm. know how to um, set boundaries for themselves. And also a lot of artists, you know, we get asked to work ungodly hours, do crazy things, mm. and when and how do you set your boundaries? Right. And a lot of people think they either, they go one way or the other. They um, wet noodle it and go, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then they bitch and moan behind the scenes mm. to everybody else. Or they go, fuck you, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. I, and they put up such strong walls that it hurts them. They either get fired or they don't get hired or they don't get promoted right. and they still don't get their boundary. So really, it's, it's really about being explicit, simple, and kind. Okay. So if someone says, for example, ooh, you know. Ooh, ooh. Can we do, can we, can we like do a, a fake conversation? Because I want to see you do this. Sure, go okay. ahead. Okay, so. Um, Let's see. Uh, let's let's pretend that I'm a producer and you're my artist, and I'd need you to work another another late night. Okay. So, um, oh, MB, I, I just got some notes from the client, and uh, and they've got a meeting at nine a.m. 
And, uh, and, and I know it's the end of the day, but we've got about a half a day's of notes. So I, I need you to stay late and work on this. Can you work on this? Well, how late are you expecting me to stay? Uh, I don't know. I mean, just order some dinner and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get the consolidated feedback and some, and some new renders from CG in a few hours. Okay, well, I had um, already committed to some plans at eight and it's already six. So I can give you an hour. We hadn't discussed this previously, so I really want to help out, but I can't do a late night tonight. If there's a way, maybe we can juggle something in the morning, but this is unfortunately, I've already committed to something. Okay. Okay, so I like what you did is you said you empathized. You said you wanted to help. That's, I like that, right? So why wouldn't you just say no? Well, if you say no, especially you're in, a, you're in a business where you're selling yourself all the time if you're a freelancer. Mm -hmm. You're not staff. You want to be hired back again. Mm -hmm. Also, hey, this producer is stuck in a bind too. Mm -hmm. So we're all in a bind together in my mind. Mm. And unless they're really taking advantage of me, I still wouldn't say no. If I thought they were really taking advantage, mm -hmm. I would say, hey, I'd love to help, but I can't. Mm -hmm. I really, I've already committed. We didn't set this up in advance. So that's my no. Mm -hmm. I would love to help, but I really can't. This is not something we agreed upon. I have other commitments and I'm sorry. I really just can't stay tonight. Mm -hmm. But usually I try and walk that middle ground where I set a boundary, but I also try to understand we're all trying to get to the same goal. I'm sure, sure that producer didn't like getting a half day's worth of notes. Sure. I'm sure they don't want to stay late. Sure. You know, and then and if it's a last minute, maybe I will do it that night, but I'll adjust it the next day with whoever the higher up is or whoever hired me or say, okay, if we're doing it this way and I'm going to get last minute notes and be asked to stay later, then let's work out some sort of agreement, arrangement, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, is it extra money? Is it a higher rate? Is it, you know, whatever it is. But I always try with setting boundaries, the best way to get them is to have understanding and to be clear and to be sympathetic. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you just do the no, you know, you're gonna cut off other work or cut off other relationships or commitment. And also it, it, it's just better to feel good about it, mm -hmm. you know? And understanding that that person's not coming at you. Like I've done this with a woman, she, she really um, was feeling overworked, but she, she, I just can't talk to my, I can't tell, I can't do it. They hired me, I can't do it. Why can't you say something? So it's not about doing it or not doing it. Just find the language. Mm -hmm. Really a communications thing. So it's not a yes or no. It's how do you do it? Mm -hmm. I can't. Well, you can, but it depends on how you do it. Right. Don't walk in there. Hey, I'm working too much. You take advantage of me. You need to stop. That's not going to get you anywhere. Right. You know, yeah. but most people will listen to you if you're reasonable. Mm -hmm. Most people will work with you. Yeah. Very that I've run into anybody that doesn't. And I was always working, okay, so when my son was young, I was a single mom and I worked in film at a place that was notorious, not for for how many hours you worked. Mm. Like it was a badge of honor, right. you know, yeah. long work. And I had a young boy at home. So I would go in, I was like, I'll give you, I'll give you your, 10 day, your 10 hours, but mm. I will get everything done. And then I'm out of here. Mm. And um, I didn't say it that way. I put it on the table and they don't negotiate with anybody, but they, I, I got what I wanted. I got razzed for it. I got comments about mm -hmm. it. 
you know, which you get if you're a young mom in this industry. But I stuck to it and I didn't I didn't get all pissy about it or whatever. I was mm-hmm. like, hey, listen, I got a I got a night job. It's called a kid. I have to go home. I really want to work with you. I'm willing. I, uh, you know, let my work speak for itself. I will give you 10 when others are doing, you know, 20. But usually I got more done because, as you know, when you work too long, you're just not productive. Yeah. But that's that's how they were. But I stuck up for myself and I didn't do it in a mean voice. I didn't do it with anger. I didn't do it with a demand. I did it with negotiation tactics. Yeah. And that's that's my best advice. Yeah. That's a tough one from the staff side, right? Because, you know, if you're at a, if you're at a large studio. Every day, it seems someone is coming around, like either knocking on doors or, or pinging you on Slack and saying, Hey, can you stay late? You know, like this project needs help, right? And I, th- I think you just mentioned a, a really good point. Like whoever's asking you likely is, is not enjoying that, is not enjoying having you ask that, right? Like they are likely in the same boat. And if it's a producer, guess what? They're going to be stuck around like posting whatever you're doing or writing up clients. Now. So, you know, unless they're at the bar, which is a different situation, or you're on your, truly on your own, slightly different situation. Um, you know, starting with empathy or starting with, you know, hey, how can we figure this out is, is good, you know. Um, but if you say no and your staff, sometimes they just keep on asking and then they'll eventually get to someone who never says no. You know, that's a tough one. I think the staff one, you don't deal with it. It's not necessarily always the moment. It's a dealing with it outside of the moment. If it, mm. Because now it's not about staying late on a Tuesday night. Now it's about your position, your job, your compensation. Your it, it's about a bigger picture, your ability to produce. Yeah. So then it, it it goes to the next level when it's not in the moment. So you don't have to be a yes no. You go to your manager and you say, "Listen, I, I would really like to sit down and talk to you about the work situation. I'm finding I'm not being productive because I'm being asked to work late." more times than not and it's always last minute and you know or what but come to it that way and say let's reevaluate my position and how this works maybe we we can come to an agreement Mm -hmm. and if they won't then it's up to you to decide is this a staff position i want Mm. or do i want to go somewhere else yeah i mean it really is a it, it well i can't go anywhere else i need this job i need the money okay i get that so then let's work with that so let's try and make that better while we're there within the confines while we continue to look for a better place that fits. Yeah. So yeah. it's not it's just not black and white. It's always something that's molded and juggled mm-hmm. and I mean production's um, messy, you know, like making making something that's never been made for, it's just messy. And mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be, but sometimes it is and sometimes it has to be. So um yeah, that's that was such a common thing working at a large facility. You just felt like every day someone needed you to put out somebody else's fire because there's always, you know, it's like if if you well in places it's easy because the top doesn't have to deal with the bottom. Yeah, so they push the middle. We're you know everybody's working against each other, and it's easy for them to say just get it done, and it's easy to, for them to just say well that's the deadline we're given we have to meet it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. then yep. negotiate your position in there yeah. and what you're willing to do and not willing to do and how you're willing to do it. And then sometimes it's just not the right fit. Right. 
And yeah, that's what I, you. I also think I'm wondering if, if recently, COVID has has made that more has, has put more leverage into artists' hands. I, I think has actually. Yeah. I really do think it has. Well, I also think COVID and freelancing because right now I don't know about you. I'm getting there's a ton of work out there. Mm-hmm. There's calls left and right, and most of these houses are all freelancers. And if we're not available. You know, where's where's their staff coming from? Sure. Where's their talent coming from? So I do before when they had staffs, they could have used the staff a little bit more. Yeah. Now you're at the mercy if you and I are available and how we're available mm-hmm. and what we want to do. So, so there's some I do think there's more leeway in there. Mm-hmm. I think you gain more um, leverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the leverage. You want to handle it right. You do want it because you do want them still coming to you. Right. Well, leverage quickly doesn't become a leverage if you if you if you pull on the handle too tight or too hard and it breaks right then you're just stuck with a big heavy thing you can't move so that it, yeah it's it's a it's an easier one as a freelancer because hopefully your payment your your contract involves hourly so it's a little bit less stingy but sometimes you don't want to miss that and there's an important event like um yeah so that that, that is that's a challenge and i think well, just being a bit preemptive, right? Like if someone knows ahead of time, like, you know, hey, tonight's my kid's thing or whatever. There's always different levels, right? Like I really want to try and go mountain biking with my buddies on Thursday nights and meet at the bar afterwards. But, you know, if I miss it, okay. Um, but family things or birthdays, you know, that's that's where I'll, I'll, I'll be as upfront as possible and say, you know, FYI, this Thursday night, I, I can't be there. And with freelancing, I, I like producers will say, okay, you're booked out for this moment. Okay, you're booked out at this time. Mm-hmm. Or And remote has helped that. But but back to staff. Mm-hmm. So I've obviously been an owner and a manager, and I've had people come up to me and say, well, you know, my rent went up, so you have to pay me more. And I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm paying you for the work you do based on your performance. Mm-hmm. And if you want more money, then you have to have better performance. So. So you can't go that route with it, but you can go, hey, listen, I've stayed late. I've done these things. This is what I produced. And, and that's how you, you get the promotion or the bump up or the, the, you know, whatever. So you kind of treat boundaries in the same way. Listen, I really would like to talk to you about my situation. I'm, I'm feeling really burnt out. I'm feeling a little abused. Mm-hmm. Um, can you help me understand or can you work with me so that I don't feel this way because I really enjoy what, you know, you work both sides of that coin yeah. and, um, and staff can do that. I mean, if a manager, if, if you're doing your job, well, that manager wants to keep you, mm-hmm. they will listen to you or they should listen to you. If they're big enough that they don't care and you're a cog in the wheel, again, think about where you want to be. Yeah. Um, that's a difficult, that's a different one to, or, yeah, that's a difficult one because a lot of times they'll trade you time or comp time or, or some studios call them, uh, days off yeah. in lieu or time off in lieu, Doyle's toils. Um, yeah. And, you know, I used to work with people that would accumulate weeks and months of those and they never get it. Then you have to go, okay, what dates do I get it? I'll only accept that if I absolutely get certain, you know, again, it's hard to stand up for yourself for some people so they don't think to do it. Sure. So you practice too. Before you go in and have those conversations, you practice with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is like it is like improv, isn't it? It's like you can't say no. You have to move the conversation forward somehow. So, you know, maybe it's maybe maybe 
Honey attract, what, what, what's the saying? You attract more... Flies with honey. Flies with honey, bees with honey, or whatever. Bees, what is that bees, You attract more, attract more flies with honey than vinegar. But I don't want flies, do I? You did if you no, wanted. it's about being nicer gets you more versus being harder. Try hard, yeah. Or My family rule is try hard, be kind. So typically, if there's a problem in your world, you're either not trying hard, you're not being kind. So cut it out. <laughs> Also, just to cut to the chase, it's not even, you know, gooey, oh, just be nice or be kind. It's actually, it'll get you more. Yeah. It will actually garnish more for you. If you're not, if you're difficult to deal with or come off too strong, you're just not going to get what you want in the end. So it doesn't work for you, you know? Yeah. And then the last, I think there's two last little things before we run out of time that are important to remember. Gratitude and context. So don't forget your clients' changes aren't about you, right? Like, think about how long someone out there in the world has been working on this project. You probably turned up at the last few days-ish and, like, you know, have some context, have a little compassion. And, you know, that doesn't mean you say yes to everything, but at least you start from a place of peace and trying hard and being kind and then working the situation for your benefit when possible. Well, take some of the anger out so you can actually be calmer about setting some boundaries, sure. about understanding. When it's not about you, when you don't take it personally, yeah. when you go, wait, they're just, they're doing their thing. Yeah. They're stuck in you. It's not about me. They're trying to get what they want. I get that. Now I'm not so riled up. Now I'm more willing mm -hmm. to say, I hear you. I, I, If I can, I'll work with you, but this is what I can do. This is what I can't do, blah, blah, blah. All right, MB, well, we're out of time. Uh, thanks for another great week. For Logic.TV, I'm Randy McEntee. I'm MB Amy. And you're listening to Logic. This podcast is made possible by Cynesis.io. Cynesis.io, supporting flame artists since 1997. Everybody knows Boris FX makes the best plugins in the business, you can save 15% on all Boris FX plugins, Mocha, Silhouette, Sapphire, Continuum, Optics, by using the coupon code LOGIC-15 at checkout. That's capital L-O-V-I-K-1-5 at checkout. Do you need engineering and technical support? Gunpowder is here to help. From keeping your flame up and running to turnkey flame and the cloud solutions, check them out at gunpowder.tech. Thanks to our sponsors and distinguished Logic Lovelies, Please support the people that support flame artists.